It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 355 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, June 29th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode. And of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, breaking down the fantasy angle of all the free agency moves that are about to happen. Locked On NBA is daily across the whole week with a gaggle of different host uh, covering a little different perspectives across the week and you can find every show on the lockdown network on the lockdown nba itunes channel it is a uh, very useful tool if you want to get all the content in your ears from uh, what's going on around the league it's uh, it's great so make sure you're checking it out if you find a show or a host that you dig subscribe to their show separately on their own feed you can do that with lockdown raptors we are on our own feed on you know itunes Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, I think as well now too, all over the place. So please uh, subscribe, rate, and review. It's very helpful. It's very nice. Makes me feel good and uh, moves us up the rankings. So thanks in advance for taking the very minimal amount of time that it takes to leave a rating or a review. Uh, so on today's show, nothing has happened yet as of now for the Raptors. Uh, LeBron James has opted out of his contract. Maybe he's going to the Lakers. We'll talk about the implications of that in three weeks when he makes his decision or whenever. Um, but because the Raptors are still kind of in a holding pattern, there's no trade for Norman Powell or anything like that. Uh, they extended qualifying offers to dudes who we expected them to extend qualifying offers to. Uh, because all of all of that, we are going to do a not-at-all news-based podcast with our pal Dan Grant, who loves to go back in the sad history of this sad organization. Uh, Dan, how are, how are you, man? I'm doing well, thank you. I do enjoy, as I said to you earlier... Wallowing in some crapulence. It's pretty good. Uh, so today's show, today's show, instead of, like I said, talking about news, uh, we're going to maybe reflect on times that uh, this team has kind of moved beyond. It's nice. The Raptors are good now. They have not been a disaster for five or so years. That is nice, and hopefully that continues. Don't blow it up. Stay team run it back until the sun burns out. Um, and you know the Raptors, of course, have had some very dark times. We've done the trivia tournament that is usually laced with sadness and terrible names <laughs> and instances in team yeah. history. And I thought it might be fun to try to go back and rank the five worst seasons in Raptors history to sort of provide some perspective, I think, for Raptors fans who are feeling a little bit down about this offseason, which will probably not contain very much action. Uh, so, Dan, are you ready to join me in this uh, pit of despair? I was born for this. All right. Uh, so a little background on how we compiled this ranking very shrewdly before the podcast. Uh, we each had our own top five rankings, and we sort of compiled them together, gave point numbers to where we had things ranked. And so we have five that are standing alone as the top five worst t- seasons in Raptors history. But there are three honorable mentions that we should probably get to that ended up on one or both of our lists at some point, but did not have enough points to make the top five. Uh, let's start with 2012-13. Dan, I'll start. I'll throw this to you because you had this on your 
your list. Um, I did not have this on my list. This is the season, of course, uh, I believe the second or third Dwayne Casey season, if I'm not mistaken. Let me pull up the franchise index here. Um, 2012-13? Yeah, this was Dwayne Casey's second season. They finished 34-48. and They traded for Rudy Gay uh, around the deadline, I guess, a little bit before the deadline. And uh, that... You know, obviously set up a lot of good things to eventually come, but it was not a good year. They finished worse in the division, um, and, you know, Amir Johnson led the team in win shares. So, um, I love Amir Johnson. Been, for, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I love Amir Johnson. That's not a good sign. Uh, why did you have this season on your uh, list of top five worst seasons in Raptors history? I think because it was just so bleak. It was, uh, I'm going to mention another season later, but it was, you know, they hadn't been good in some time. Bosch yeah. had been gone for a couple years at this point. Casey had come in, and there have been questions about whether or not he was a good head coach because of how things went for him in Minnesota. Um, him and Lowry didn't seem to like each other very much. Lowry was still fat Lowry and was getting hurt <laughs> all the time. Um, Bargnani was still on the roster, incredibly, in 2012-13, and was really had been, you know, it was just a reminder of what a bust he was every time you looked at his pasta-eating face. Landry Fields was on the Team. It was also a bust. Linus Kleza was in the middle of some stupid four-year contract we gave him. It was just ugly. Valanciunas was his first year when he came over, and he was like very obviously a lot more of a project than mm-hmm. people thought. It kind of made him out to be. He was supposed to be NBA ready, and he was pretty good in his rookie season. Um, but still, he was not. A, he was pretty clearly not like a game-changing superstar, which people had kind of said that he might have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, Calderon got traded away, and it just seemed like there was never going to be anything good <laughs> happening again in Raptors history. Yes, yeah, it fair. just seemed like they were yeah destined to be brutal. And I was for myself, I was living overseas too, and I wasn't following it as much as I uh, probably normally would. I was following it online, but not watching as many games just because of the time difference. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like. Do I love this team anymore? It was like the, for me, it was like my lowest point of my fandom. So it was definitely something that made my list for sure. That's uh, that's interesting because this season, honestly, for me, and yes, it's a, va- a very bad season and a very bad team. Michael Petra started 16 games for this team. Landry Fields, this was the Landry Fields first season, I believe, after the whole Steve Nash weird <laughs> d- uh, diversion. I don't know what the hell it was supposed to be. Uh, he, he started 22 Fargo. games. Yeah, it was unbelievable, that whole sequence of the thing. Dominic McGuire started nine games for this team. This was a bad yeah. team. Um, obviously, the Rudy Gay trade happens, and after that, like, this is the weird thing about this season, is I, kind of like you, I was in my fourth year of school, I guess, at this point, or third year of school, and in the first couple of years, I kind of drifted away from the Raptors. I was a big fan coming, like, out of high school, but then I went to school in Ottawa where no one gives a damn about basketball. None of my friends cared about basketball, and I just kind of, like, drifted more towards, like, watching hockey for some reason, um, just because everyone else did, and you try to fit in and stuff, I guess. So I didn't really watch that much basketball. And then the Rudy Gay trade happened, and my dumb idiot mind at that time was like, Rudy Gay, hey, like, I know that guy. I wanted them to take him over Bargnani in 2006. Hell yeah, I'm all in on this. One of his first games was a game against the Pacers where they ended up beating the Pacers, and that was a really good Pacers team. I think they went to the conference finals that year. That was the year they took them to seven, I think, the, the Heat to seven in the conference finals. Um, and it was really cool. And, yeah. I was, and, and, like, Rudy Gay had a big part in that game, even though I think he was, like, 12 of 30. He, uh, he ended up hitting some big shots late. So I was like, all right, I'm back in on the Raptors game, experience. Yeah. What's that? Sorry, I remember that game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm back I'm like back in totally on the experience and like totally not really caring about the fit or anything like that. I think I started listening to like basketball podcasts around then and I was like, why is everyone slagging Rudy Gay? I like him, he's good. Um, 
that was dumb, of course, and uh, the trade inevitably happened the next year. But for me, 2012-13 is always going to be the year where I kind of got roped back in after a couple years of not really giving a shit. So I couldn't put that on my right. list, but I totally understand you putting it there because it wasn't good. Um, Bargnani only played 35 games, obviously, because he got hurt all the time. It was terrible. Um, shot 40% from the field during that season. He's just a, a bad basketball player. Um, yes. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I couldn't put that there for, for me, but I also totally get it for you. Uh, my on the list that I, the, the season on the list that I had that you did not have was 2008-09. You didn't have this mm-hmm. one, right? No, I didn't. Okay, so this is the Jermaine O'Neal season. This was the year coming into the year where it felt all like, all right, the Raptors have made the playoffs two years in a row. It's great. It's fun. They're kind of turning things around. They make this big move for Jermaine O'Neal in the summer. They hype it up as the next David Robinson and Tim Duncan, him and Chris Bosh. Um, and it was exciting. I was I bought in totally because Jermaine O'Neal was a really damn good player for a long time for the Pacers, and I was all in on it. And then it happened, and it didn't work, and then he was traded for Sean Marion and some stuff, and the end of the season was just like a, a sad, wallowing uh, disaster. So that's why it's on my list. Do you have any recollections of 0809? Yeah, I remember. I was actually in New York City when they made the trade at the draft. Okay. Uh, it was the only time I've ever been to New York City. But I uh, was watching it in a hotel room, I remember, with my brother and my mom. And uh, it was, yeah, I was, I remember being pumped up for it, but also he'd been hurt quite a lot. Yeah. And I was just like, if he's willing to play center and go down low and let Bosch play kind of the outside, it'd be like, this would be great. And then it was like very immediately apparent that they were the exact same player <laughs> and they just wasn't going to work. And so, yeah, I do remember things like that. I do remember being really disappointed. And then also, like you mentioned, the clown show that was shown to Sean Marion when he showed up and just obviously had no interest in being there. He came out and had, you know, ran and had a couple dunks, but was very obviously not playing lockdown defense like he went for the Mavericks a couple of years later. He obviously had a lot left in the tank. I think people thought he was washed, uh, but he, you know, just didn't really want to play for the Raptors. So that is definitely a good one. Uh, that kind of you know eluded my uh, eluded my my gaze as I was going through. I mean, I just blocked it out for self preservation <laughs> purposes. But uh, no, definitely I remember being disappointed. So that's a, definitely a valid one. Yeah, uh, this was the season, of course, that Andre Bargnani started at small forward a bunch (laughs) because they had, you know, they had Jermaine O'Neal and Chris Bosh. You know, there were some, like, nice parts of this season, too. Pops Mensabonsu had a little run. He played 20 games. Uh, Jamario Moon, Moon, I think this was his first season of kind of jumping on the scene a little bit as an unexpected dude who uh, had 1,700 nicknames. That was cool. Um, (laughs) But, like, the bottom of this roster... There are some, like, names yeah. on the bottom of this roster. So the top ten guys, it's fine. Like, the regular rotation guys, cool. Um, after that, Will Solomon played 39 games, started nine yep. at point guard for the Raptors this year. Uh, Patrick I- O'Brien played 13 games, started three. Quincy Doobie played seven. Roko Ukic played Doobie. 72. Uh, Chris Humphreys played 29. Marcus Banks played six games, uh, I believe, in one of his three seasons with the Raptors playing six or so games. Uh, Jake Voskel started a game, played 38 games. Hassan Adams played 12 games, and Nathan Jawai played six. A uh, Just a very depressing back end of the roster that has been fodder for many a trivia question. <laughs> yes, well, I've heard Jake Voskel is just a big piece of crap. Yeah, I heard a he was just like a giant asshole. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, there you go. The kind of guy that if you looked at his face, you could probably tell he's an asshole, no? <laughs> Yeah. Like Jake Voskel, like, I don't know. He's a big, white, plotting. Yeah. Just, like, yeah. 
not 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 a fan. I'm not Chris certain. I'm man. not certain he hasn't purchased a tiki torch before. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Um, all right. And then so the other honorable mention, the season that we both had, was 2014-15. We both had a fifth yes. on our list that only ended up getting two points in our weird aggregation system. But uh, I think it deserves being touched on a little bit. This is a season, the only season that we have in which the Raptors made the playoffs. They, of course, were 24-7 and to start the season. Kyle Lowry was playing out of his damn mind. And then DeMar DeRozan got hurt in late November, the same day that the Blue Jays traded for Josh Donaldson. I remember that so vividly. Um, getting the notification, kind of like in succession, that Josh Donaldson had been traded for and that DeMar DeRozan had, like, torn his groin. And it, that was a weird night, a very strange night. Um... And then, of course, that was the Lou Williams season where it started off really fun. He saved the Raptors' asses in that game against the Cavs. Their only win in Cleveland in the last, like, three decades or whatever it is. Um, and it was just uh, a, just a cool season, at the start at least. You know, it was kind of unexpected. The bench was incredible. Grievous Vasquez was doing stuff. And then as the season went on, Kyle Lowry was carrying a load that was unsustainable. He broke down. They kind of stumbled into the playoffs, stumbled from the number one seed or in contention for it down to the four seed where they got the Wizards and then got their asses swept by the Wizards. Um, That kind of lays out the case for why it's on the list. Do you have anything else that sort of sticks in your mind from that season? No, I mean, yeah, for me, it it kind of made us question everything that was good the year before. Obviously, Lowry was hurt. DeRozan was like – DeRozan actually, if you look at his – numbers from the series against the Wizards. They didn't look great because he wasn't shooting very well, yeah. but I remember vividly that he averaged like seven rebounds and six assists a game. Like, he was trying to do everything and had no help, Yeah. and you kind of saw the glimpse where you were like, this guy is like laying it all out there, and maybe he's just not good enough, yeah. and it just made me, it was for me, it was like the most disappointed I've ever been as a Raptors fan because I was like, this team is good. They went undefeated against the Wizards in the regular season, and you could still see it coming because they were not playing well down the stretch, and Lowry was banged up, and you were like, this could go badly. And then it went so badly. It was like, just like, what are we doing here? You know, we got so lucky with that trade, the unexpected trade the year before. We had the heartbreaker against the Nets, and then maybe this is the end of this run. And people thought Casey was going to get fired, and I just remember it just being like a disaster. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was, yeah, just super disappointing. That year was also the high watermark of... Sorry, the, the high water mark of that season for me, like melancholy wise, was game two against the Wizards because oh, yeah. kind of everything yeah, that I was close. everything that I hated about that series kind of culminated in that game because A Paul Pierce like played the four and did stuff. Um yeah. the, the the whole like James Johnson faction 
that was exhausting yeah. that season because, like, yeah, he was fine in a few games, but, like, ultimately there was a reason he didn't play because he was inconsistent and not particularly good. Um, yeah. And, like, the standing ovation he got when he came in the game and proceeded to give up two threes to Paul Pierce in the corner was just, like, I'm sitting there just stewing and my blood is boiling. Yeah. And also, having to watch Lou Williams take shots from the logo at the end of every single quarter the entire season, he was given awesome. his six-man-of-the-year six award at that game before it started. And again, yeah. me, just sitting there stewing, like, this isn't deserved. It's stupid. It's bullshit. I don't want to watch Lou Williams yeah. get, get, you know... Praised for this season he just had that I had to sit through. Um, yeah, I was like probably more anti Lou than a lot of people, but I just I couldn't yeah. stand it. So no, I couldn't stand it. Yeah, I think it was one of the first blogs I wrote was about Lou Williams' stupid end of clock bullshit. <laughs> I re- I remember vividly people being like, "Why does Dwayne? Well, if it doesn't work, why does Casey keep calling for it?" I'm like, "There's no effing way Dwayne Casey is calling that play." No, he's calling he's calling a play, and then Lou Williams is. A- the call and <laughs> just going and doing whatever the fuck he wants yeah. and because he hits once every five times yeah they they people let him do it i guess i don't know what the deal is with that why people wouldn't just call him out but i mean that's what they do on better teams you can see that when people you know had a freestyle like that but they just i guess they did, thought it was their best option but it definitely wasn't and it was really really frustrating to watch no the game i think it was against the pistons they had a chance to win it at the buzzer and uh, they, i don't know they had like 8 or 9 seconds probably i think it was 14 seconds now that they think about it i remember yeah uh I re- lou gets vividly. the ball yeah. they they don't advance it they just come up from their own end um, Lou uh, decides not to pass or do anything of the sort, try to get a, a shot close. I think they only needed one point as well. Uh, yep. They needed a two to win it. And Lou decides to take a shot with his foot on the Detroit Pistons logo, right in between the three-point line and the half point and the halfway line. And yeah. obviously it misses. And that was yeah. just like the whole Lou experience summed up into one. Like, yes, I think he shot like 22% on those shots. Yet everyone was yeah. like, oh, man, it's so great when he hits them. Like, yeah, like once every five games he'll hit them. It's Yeah. This, that, can't, be your, this can't be your go-to end-of-game offense. No, no. The one yeah. saving grace of that season was the Bruno game against the Bucks early on. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. Other than that, it was a pretty – like that, that was the season that included like DeMar missing the dunk in MSG late in the season as they lost that game against yeah. the Knicks. It was rough. Yeah. It was a rough end of the year. Uh, so that's an honorable mention as well. Now moving on to our top five worst seasons in Raptors history. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Number one here. 2010-11. This, uh, I didn't actually have this on my list. You had it third, I believe. So, this, so this, is, this is number five, right? Yes, this is the... Yeah, okay. sorry. This is number five. Okay. My bad. Yeah. yeah. The number one on our list. We're going from five to one. So yeah, the number five yeah. uh, worst season in Raptors franchise history. 2010-11, of course. This is the first post-Chris Bosh season. I'm surprised. Like, I tried to put this on my list. There's just way too many other, you know, bits of anguish sort of, you know, punching it out. But 
This yeah. was a really bad season. 22-60 and 60 in 2010-11. Uh, Amir Johnson, once again, leads the team in win shares with 5.6. <laughs> Jay Triano coached the team. They're uh, just a horrendously bad defensive team, obviously. Um, and nothing went well. This was uh, a season in which only the Cavs, I think, were sadder around the NBA. Um, what do you remember yes. about this season um, as you sort of look back? Yeah, it was you know, a lot of similar things to what we mentioned earlier when we talked about 08-09, but just for me, it was just even worse. Yeah. It was, you know, Bosch leaving brought back the whole Vince left and Stoudemire left and Canby left and no one's going to stay here and yeah. Canada is blah, 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 second-class citizen and we'll never keep a star. And Colangelo, if, you know, if he, he didn't, if Bosch didn't tell him he was going to say Colangelo should have traded him, which I actually agree with. And he just didn't trade him, so he didn't get any. They wound up getting something for him because they then assisted him in going to <laughs> just so that he could get more money. Yeah, which was I, don't, I wish there was a little more fu there, but I guess that's not how you can do business in the NBA. But it was Toronto's second full season. He had taken over for and Mitchell halfway through uh, a couple years earlier, and the team was just really bad, and they were not getting better, and they had lost their best player, and they just seemed like they had no plan. They seemed completely out to lunch, completely lost. All the shine of, you know, Colangelo's first couple of seasons when they won the division and everything were just completely gone. And they didn't really have it. I mean, DeRozan was still really raw. Uh, they hadn't picked Valanciunas yet. They were just they were just bad. And there was, like, no, really no relief in sight. You were just kind of like, and again, you mentioned earlier, the record 22-60. and 60. Like, that's, I don't even know if there was a team in the NBA this season that had a record that bad. They were, they were just atrocious. And it was not even fun to watch. So, it was uh, it was just a really really garbage season. I went to I believe the home opener or the second home game of the year against the Cavs, and mm-hmm. I, it was the weirdest experience ever because both teams are horrible, and mm-hmm. both teams have just lost their best player. I'm sitting. I, I think I came home from school to go to this game. This might have been the last straw for me. I remember I went with my brother who <laughs> didn't give a shit, uh, like did not care at yeah. all. We had amazing seats. We were like. I don't know. You could probably see us on the broadcast. We were sitting that close, like near the, right. near the baskets on one end. It was amazing. There, there were amazing seats, and I just sat there. The arena was dead quiet and just somber and just bummed out. Like there was no buzz. There was no excitement. And yeah, that kind of carried through the entire season. This was the year that uh, Reggie Evans averaged 11.5 boards a game. Got hurt early on, and like that was the like one of the best individual performances of the season was Reggie Evans getting <laughs> lots of rebounds for a little while at the start of the year. Yeah. Um, Leandro yeah, Barbos Leandro Barbosa was the third leading scorer on this team. Yep, like he's their crunch time guy. Yeah, he was the third was leading Lou scorer. Will before Lou Will. Yeah, better than Lou Will. Um, he was definitely better, yeah. Yeah, uh, Linus Klaza, This was like the big free agent signing that was gonna like paper over the loss of Chris Bosh. He played thirty nine games, Ugh. started twenty three, didn't play particularly well. Uh, Demar Derozan shot nine point six percent from three this season. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he only had like eleven attempts and he made one. I think there's some weird stat like that. He attempted forty something, zero point six attempts a game. So okay, so way down there. Yeah, but yeah. Not great. Um, this was the Young Guns year as well, where they tried to say, hey, Sonny Weems, DeMar, and Amir Johnson, it's fine. They're going to be here for you. That didn't work out. Yeah. Just a, a really, really dark and just... There, there really seemed like there was no hope, because you had lost all hope in Brian Colangelo. The whole thing where he would like find the loopholes and like find guys from 
Europe to come over and play. Those seem to be gone. Um, you know, this was a year where Joey Dorsey played and started nine games, played 43. Julian Wright was on this team. Um, this was just... I, I, I should have had this on my list, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad one. It's it not, was a bad one. It, I didn't is even, not it was good. one of those ones I was looking at the list of like their their record by season. That's kind of how I did it when I yeah. went through. And I was like, wow, that looks like an especially bad record. I don't really remember that season exactly. And I went and looked and I was just like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. And there's actually, you know, that season is when I just first started dating my wife. And she was not a big basketball fan, but she didn't have any like strong feelings about it. But she does hate hockey. She does not care for it. <laughs> does not want to watch it. So she was like, "Well, if you want to watch sports, I'll watch basketball with you." And I was like, "Okay." So that was the team we watched, and she was just like, "Why do you like this? This is terrible. Like, these guys are really bad." And I'm why like, am I always like this? Why am I dating yeah. an emo guy? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> why are you so sad all the time? Yeah. <laughs> My God. So very, very, uh, yeah, very difficult season. Yeah, no, this was a season sure. that I, I definitely sort of started to check out. I mean, Andrea Bragnani played 66 games, so good on him for that. He averaged 21.4 points a game. Good on yeah. him for that, I guess. He was probably not as bad a player as we make him out to be, but he was terrible. It was. He was just hurt all the. He was hurt all the time. It was that, and he was oh. just like damaging to be on the floor, even if he was like an okay scorer. He was just damaging, and the fact that they doubled down and invested in him beyond his rookie deal was also extremely damaging. Yeah. Like that's he might be the most damaging first overall pick ever. Like Anthony <laughs> Bennett was worse. Michael Olawakandi was worse. But Bargnani set right. the franchise back further than any number one pick in NBA history. I think probably. It's fair. I think for him to be on the team for so long and to be as bad as he was, yeah. and for him to just once in a while show you like a ten game stretch where you're like, oh, he could be this. Yeah, and then he would and like then, pull a hammy and be out for six months. <laughs> yeah, forty games with a fucking hangnail. Yeah. Like anyway. Yeah. That's yeah. Dark. Um, yeah. So that season, I think that that is a noble number five. Uh, number four, two thousand four, two thousand five. Did you? You didn't have this on your list, did you? It's an honorable mention for me okay. because I had talked about I kind of, it, 03 and 04 and 04 and 05 in my mind had like blended into one dirty cesspool. <laughs> so, uh, I, but yeah, no, I left it off just because I think the bad stuff that happened in 03 and 04 kind of created 04, 05. But it's, I think this is going to be for me exactly what just happened to you, which is after we go through it, you're going to be like, this should be on your list. Yeah, 04, 05 is really yeah. bad. Uh, this is, of yeah. course, the season that starts off. I mean, first of all, it was the second straight 33 and 49 season, which to go 33 and 49 in back-to-back years, I can't think of anything more bleak than that. Um, you got Vince starting the season off saying he's not going to dunk anymore. This was Hoffa's <laughs> rookie season. So yeah. that pick really proved to be garbage immediately. I think Andre Iguodala won Rookie of the Year, if I'm not mistaken. Am I wrong with that? Yeah. No, I believe that's right. Yeah, so there's that. Um, you got Sam Mitchell going 0 0 0 in d- direct res- uh, response to Jerome Moiso and Pop So being really bad at basketball. And then, of course, Vince Carter gets dealt for Aaron and Eric Williams. Alonzo Mourning, who didn't show up, uh, I think two first-round picks or one first-round pick that became like Joey Graham. <laughs> um, it was two. It was two. One was Joey Graham, and one was uh, what was the other one? I can't remember. Did anyway, they trade was, one? Uh, pardon me. They might have they traded, traded one. one yeah. yeah was one, a... Roy, one might have been the pick that was Roy Hibbert. Oh, um, maybe. For, yeah. for O'Neal, maybe. Maybe. Either way. Suspect. 
Not the yeah, best. Not good. Yeah, so this season, and then, yeah, the, the whole Vince thing, the trade that happens with him, and, like, this, I believe before Vince got dealt, there were a bunch of games where Sam Mitchell was like, you know what, I'm not going to close games with Jalen Rose and Vince Carter, my two best players. I'm going to close with, like, Milt Palacio and Lauren Woods and yes. Lamont Murray, yes. and that was, so uh, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was it was ugly. It was definitely a lot of, uh, was it was the Kobe 81 point game that season? No, that was 0506, which is like an oddly endearing okay. season, even though it was terrible. You had like Danielle Marshall <laughs> having a big year. You had um, like Mike James. Had, like that was one of the kookiest seasons, I think, in Raptors history. It wasn't quite <laughs> as depressing because like I think you kind of see, like Chris Bosh kind of came into his own a little bit and there was a little bit of optimism, but it was also <laughs> a, a, just a bizarre ass season. Um, whereas 0405 was just straight up just anguish for the entire time and just not really having any sort of I remember finding out about the Vince Carter trade I was watching global news with my family I don't know I'm like 12 we're watching the news and back when you did that at 6 o'clock and the sports sure. section comes up and I believe it was Jim Taddy uh, Burlington Sports Burlington Sports Hall of Famer Jim Taddy, uh, a legend and a mustached uh, hero. Um, I, I believe that he came up with the sports thing. It was like, all right, here's this trade. The, the Raptors are trading Vince Carter as it was breaking, and I just felt deflated. I yeah. had invested so much in Vince Carter as a youth from, you know, like age 7 through age whatever the hell, 12 or 13, and to yeah. just have that happen and kind of ripped away from you in exchange for literally nothing. I mean, Eric and Aaron Williams did not do anything. Yeah. Eric yeah. Williams was like a fine player, I guess, in his time, but he was, it was not player. good for the yeah. Raptors. No. Aaron Williams barely did anything. He averaged 1.6 points. Yeah, the yeah. God. Um, and this was the season that ended yeah. with, like, Omar Cook uh, as, yeah. like, maybe an option. Like, he had a nice couple of final games, and like I attached to that. Like that was how that was the depths to which this season went. Was hey, maybe Omar cooks something to be happy about. It's bad. Yeah, I think for me the reason I left it off is just because that had all been brewing even the year before. Yeah, yeah. And when it happened, it was finally like, well, this sucks. And I was really furious. Like I was someone who had a Vince Carter jersey and threw it in the garbage, <laughs> and like uh, had a, his poster above my bed and like took it down. And like I'm a little older than you, so I was. When they drafted Vince, I was 13, and yeah. so like at this point, I was about just 19, 20. It was the second year of university. It was like very much like in the peak of you have free time to watch sports, and uh, I was again, I was furious. But also Sam Mitchell, I kind of liked Sam Mitchell at the time because I was naive right. and was like, you know, they've gone in the right direction, and this will be better. In fairness, anything that wasn't well, Kevin O'Neill, who so. we'll get to, was was an yes, improvement. Yes, we yeah. certainly will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so anyway, I did a quick look there. That second, for, they did get a second first rounder in the trade, and they traded it with Jalen Rose to the Knicks to get Antonio Davis back, and it wound up being Ronaldo Bachman. What a! That's the most mid two thousands <laughs> NBA shit I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They basically used that first rounder to get rid of Jalen Rose's massive contract. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh god. Um, okay, so that season I think we both agree is bad. Although you didn't have it on your list, that's fine. It's number four. Uh, number three, there was a tie. I just I, I didn't really know how to break the tie, so there's a tie. Number three, 
2009-10. This is, of course, the last season of the Chris Bosh era. The team goes 40-42. and Bosh misses the last, you know, I think 15 or so games of the season. Uh, kind of not really outwardly saying it, but kind of essentially just like gearing up for free agency and not really... Uh, and if committing to anything, it's committing to not coming back at all next season. Um, this was the season, of course, after yeah, this was Jay Triano's first full season in charge after re- replacing Sam Mitchell during the Jermaine O'Neal season. And this was also the Hito Turgaloo season. Ball, yeah. baby. Yeah. Um, that also went terribly. <laughs> this uh, this one was like an end of a, like, you could say it was an end of an era. And it was, I guess. But it was the end of such a, like, meager era that it's so sad in hindsight to think back that we were like upset that that era was ending but like it mattered and this was one of Bosch's best seasons and it went to waste because like the the next yeah. best players in the team were Andrea Bargnani and Jared Jack yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he was spectacular like he was, yeah. he was so fun to watch those like four years there kind of sort of more post Vince when they were making the playoffs and then that last year they didn't make it but he was the whole team and it was him every night, and he would, you know, he, he got huge and had the crazy long hair, and, like, he was just, yeah, that, I remember that fondly because of him, but, yeah, definitely him leaving. Yeah. Definitely a, a sour note, for sure. Um, yeah, the Hedo stuff. Yeah, Hedo. Oh, Take me through your Hedo roller coaster. We got him, and I was super happy yeah. because he reneged on his agreement with Portland to come here yeah. because his wife was excited about the Turkish community. And I was <laughs> like, oh, this is great. And, like, we had just seen him be a key piece on a finals team. Yeah. And it was like, okay, this guy can handle the ball. It'll be kind of cool. We got Bosch. You know, we'll get some shooting off the ball. It's going to be kind of a fun thing. And then he got here and was just terrible, just like out of sh- He's one of the guys you never want to give money to, like yeah. completely out of shape. Uh, you know, wanted to do the same kind of freestyling stuff that he did in Orlando, but it didn't totally work because Bosch wasn't as physically dominant as Dwight. So I think Dwight, as much of a dickhead as he is, kind of <laughs> was such a force of nature back then that he kind of let Hito kind of covered up a lot of Hito's issues. Yeah. Um, you know, if you threw it anywhere near the rim, Dwight was going to dunk it. So he probably got some uh, empty calorie stats that he probably wouldn't have gotten with a lot of other players. Right. And uh, maybe maybe made him look a little bit better than he was, but they also played that very modern kind of four out thingy. Orlando and Stan Van Gundy had them doing, and it was just you know they didn't really think about that. There wasn't as much thought about fit. They were like, "This is a good player. We need to get a good player." And uh, he was just really bad. And then yeah, when that thing happened, when he did the you know ball, and it was just <laughs> like, "Okay, this guy's this guy's a prick. Like we we need to get rid of we need to get rid of this dude." Yeah. And they did shortly after, but. Uh, Again, one of those things where you're like, oh, sweet, we got a great player. Maybe Bosch will stay. And then it was like, oh, this is a disaster. And he's 100% going to leave. And, uh, yeah, definitely a big – not even a roller coaster because on a roller coaster you come back up. It's more like a, more like a water slide. Yeah, this was the year that they uh, gave 43 starts to Jarrett Jack because he was friends yeah. with Chris Bosch from Georgia Tech they and were, thought that would keep him. College roommates. <laughs> the yeah, uh, the prelude roommates, yeah. to signing or pre- keeping Grievous Bat Vasquez around as a way to lure Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some great strategy going on yeah. in the Raptors' front office. Um, although I guess the last one was more of a Maasai thing. Or, or maybe it wasn't really a thing at all. I don't know. But... Um, yeah, just the Hito thing. The the fact that he was in Pizza Pizza commercials where he was like actively ignoring Jay Triano's advice to like watch film and stay healthy as he like chugged Sprite and housed pizza. Uh, like yeah. no acting required even a little bit for that. 
And no, then, you're just filming his house. Yeah, it just like yeah. <laughs> like in house like closed circuit TV cameras that they just ripped the, the tapes from. Yeah, um, he didn't even know. He didn't even know he was being filmed. <laughs> <laughs> Living his life. Yeah, yeah, the fact that those exist like as like a, a relic that you can go back to on YouTube to just sort of sum up everything that happened with the Hedo experience. Yeah, it was rough. And then yeah, like Bosch, what was your like sort of take on Bosch sitting out the end of the season? Were you like resentful of that uh, at the time, or still are you still re- resentful of that? <laughs> So I'm of two minds. I remember at the time, I really loved Bosch, and I still do, and yeah. I defend him. And, uh, I mean, at the time, he, he did get hurt. Like, he was really hurt. Yeah. And But I remember they were close to making the playoffs, so people were like, can you come back? Should he come back? Should he play hurt? But, like, you look at the NBA, and look at the way it is, and you look at, like, what someone like Danny Ainge does to Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. And, you know, if this guy's going into his biggest possible free agent deal, potentially, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's first unrestricted free agency, it's hard to blame him. Yeah. Uh, um, and it's, you know, kind of callous. But, again, what was their best case scenario? If he comes back, plays really well, they make the playoffs and they get housed in the first round again. Yeah. By, like, the, by the magic again, probably. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, no, I don't, I don't blame him. At the time, it was frustrating, but I also... So I was such a Bosch stand that I was like, oh no, he must really be hurt if he's not playing. And I still do believe that. Like I think he was genuinely injured, and maybe by the time, maybe he could have come back for the last, you know, five or six games or whatever. I mean, it was just like such an outside chance that why, why risk it? Yeah, he was so good. I think he's kind of forgotten yeah. almost because of the success Kyle and Demar have had, or at least relative success to the rest of the franchise's history, and because of the Vince thing. Like yeah. Bosch is kind of forgotten, but he was so good for like a lot of years there, yeah. and. I don't really think you can pin their lack of success or making the playoffs really on him because as we've discussed on many of these uh, seasons we've gone through, he was surrounded by dog shit. Like, just yeah, well, look horrendous at their, teams. Look at their draft record. Yeah. Yeah, like in those five years. They yeah. never had, they didn't have one other, like, even half-decent player that they picked. Who was like? Who were, like, the second and third like, best players that Chris Bosh played with as a Raptor? Like, Jose Calderon's probably number two. Yeah. Who's Anthony number Parker. Th- Yeah, Parker, TJ Ford. Yeah, and guys who are hurt like, all the time. Parker played a lot. But again, yeah. role players. They're all role players. They, he never had another, yeah. like a 1B, which is, I guess, what they tried to do with Turgaloo, and they tried to do it with Jermaine O'Neal, and it just didn't work out. But, yeah. you know, you think he would have a, hopefully have a front office that has the foresight to find someone who could play with one of the, you know, a first ballot Hall of Famer. It shouldn't be that hard. Yeah, Danielle and Jalen, I guess you could throw in that, but that was before Bosch really became Bosch. Yeah, he was super young, because he yeah. was 19, and like such a, he was like a, pipe cleaner when he got drafted he was yeah. tiny 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 and then that was also in the you know vince morass kind of hanging over his first couple years yeah so yeah good times good times <laughs> um all right next up the number two worst season in raptors history also was tied with the last one but again i'll give tied to the old person uh 1997-98 i did not have this on my list you had this number one first first all right give me your case uh for the season that happened when i was five years old Okay, well, I was 13, okay. so I was in grade 8. Okay. Um, so let me set the scene for you. <laughs> the first couple of years in Raptors history, you know, 95, 96, 96, 97, uh, it was just huge excitement. They didn't need to be good. They The purple jerseys, Damon Stoudemire was painted on a building downtown. He averaged 20 points a game as a rookie. Like, they got better. And they also won more games as a, in a, for the first year than people expected, and they got better in the second season when they Brendan Malone had left. They had brought Daryl Walker in, and... They had drafted Camby, who was immediately like an impact player. He was the second overall pick in the draft. And they looked like they were going to be good faster than people thought. Mm. And then after that second season, so this is going into 97-98, which is my pick for the worst year, Stoudemire 
out of nowhere, kind of, well, out of nowhere for me, I was 12, requests a trade. And you're like, what is going on? Like, this is our best player. Uh, they trade him uh, for Kenny Anderson. <laughs> um, Who didn't show up. He was Alonzo Mourning before Alonzo Mourning. Yeah, refuses to report. Uh, they flip into the Celtics five days later, along with Popeye Jones, who I loved, so it was like doubly insulting, <laughs> and Zon Tabak, who was terrible, but was like a member of the original Raptors team. They get flipped to the Celtics for a package centered around rookie guard Chauncey Billups, so that's kind of cool, um, <laughs> who then leaves the Raptors in free agency. <laughs> he's, he stays for 30 games and he's gone. Um, so this is all happening around this time. Camby, who is in his second season, leads the, uh, the, uh, the NBA in blocks that season. 3.7 blocks per game. He's just like a force of nature. But is already making noise that he doesn't want to be there yeah. anymore. <laughs> and he's not going to resign. So they then trade him to the Knicks for Oakley, which is great, except that Oakley was already old. And at the time, we didn't have Vince yet, so it wasn't like, oh, this guy could make sense as like a you know enforcer for Vince kind of thing. It was just like, what are we doing? Like, yeah. Is that the best we could do for Marcus Camby, who was the second overall pick like two years earlier? Um, so for Stoudemire and Camby, the seventh and second overall picks respectively, I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget. They wind up with, here are the players they wind up with. Alvin Williams, who was great and started for the team forever, but a role player. Charles Oakley, Gary Trent, 30 games. Chauncey Billups and a couple of draft picks. Both of both of both of the draft picks were later dealt away, and they didn't even use them. Gary Trent played like eight eight games too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I mean, that's my point. That was the third best player they got for those two guys. Um, so they start the season eleven and thirty eight. Daryl Walker, who had been kind of the toast of the town as a young kind of up and coming coach in the year before, gets fired. They bring in Butch Carter, and the team goes five and twenty eight to finish the year. No, 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 no. Daryl Walker resigned after the Damon trade. Excuse me, you're right. Yeah. I, I, sorry, not fired. He's like, this yes, is dumb. I'm out of here. <laughs> yes, you're, that's correct. I, I miss, I misremembered that. But yeah, no, you're totally right. They bring in Butch Carter. He goes five and twenty-eight. Yeah. The team finishes sixteen and sixty-six. They have no good players. <laughs> they have just nobody. <laughs> like they're just like, and it was after the first two years had been the upward swing. It was like, what is going on here? Is this team gonna move? Like people thought the team was gonna leave. Yeah. And uh, that was a real thing because there was already been the buzz around the Grizzlies and they didn't. Um, so it was just kind of like a real downturn. It was like maybe, you know, this is kind of a joke. Maybe this was a fad. It won't stick around. I also, I don't know if you remember this. This was right around the same time. The CFL randomly expanded to the United States for a year. <laughs> and there was like a bunch of American CFL teams and one of them won the Grey Cup. And then they all folded after one year. They were like, that was dumb. And they just got rid of them all. <laughs> So teams were in flux. The leagues were weird. And uh, it was definitely like a possibility that the Raptors weren't even going to exist anymore. So for me, that was a hugely low point. And then, of course, that next offseason is when they got Vince and moved to the Air Canada Center and kind of started the more modern era of Raptors history. But mm -hmm. it was definitely a humongous low point. And for me, in grade 7, grade 8, it was like, wow. I've been going to basketball camp and stuff. Like, I... <laughs> really fell in love with it and i was just like this is what is going on is this just gonna all go away and it was it was really bad do you know which cfl so, yeah. team won the gray cup that you speak of i believe it was baltimore but it, i can't remember their it was the baltimore game. stallions quarterbacked by anthony calvillo i believe there you go and they became the montreal alouettes so, yes that makes sense yeah um good stuff good, good stuff cfl that, that's so weird there was like a team in shreveport louisiana there was. In Las Vegas? Yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah. It the was 90s. crazy. 
Sure. <laughs> and then they came out with the Our Balls Are Bigger logo. <laughs> it's like, all right, guys. You guys are, they're basically just trying to be the XFL before the XFL. Yeah. Uh, one silver lining to the 97-98 season, of course, is that it led to Vince Carter being drafted. That's good. The night is always darkest before the dawn, Sean. Yep. Um, and then that also ended, <laughs> ended poorly. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that that's a good good call. Speaking of Vince Carter and that experience ending poorly, one of the precursors to that was our number one season on this list of worst seasons in Raptors history. It is the 2003-2004 season, helmed by Kevin O'Neill. The Raptors went 33 and 49, missed the playoffs for the second straight year, uh, and were coached by Kevin O'Neill, who was an idiot and really bad at his job. And I don't really know how he got the job. Um, what are your rec? Why was the where did you have this on yours? This was number two or three for you. I, I had it second. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I had it three. I think. Um, <laughs> and so cumulatively, it cumulatively it's play. number one, and I think that's probably fair because it was yes. horrendous. Uh, well, yeah, give me your reasoning for why you had it ranked so high on your list. <laughs> it's funny because I wrote a bunch of stuff out for the other ones, and this one I just have like a very short list. It just says, "Team can't score. O'Neal destroys lamp. Final full Vince <laughs> season." Uh, Rob Babcock. <laughs> Rob those are, Babcock. Yeah, those are Baby. the things that I wrote, and that's it. And I was like, those are, for anyone who's listening to this podcast at this point, they're going to know all the connotations of those things. But, yeah, definitely, like, they were coming off, you know, Lenny Wilkins, who it was unclear if he was actually alive by the end of his tenure. And uh, they replaced him with this guy, Kevin O'Neill, that if anyone has listened to your wonderful Glenn Grunwald interview, uh, he talks about why he picked Kevin O'Neill as the coach uh, and that he was going to be kind of, you know, a more of a disciplinarian culture kind of a guy. And that it was clear after like not very long that he was pretty unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just came in. It was super intense and had no idea how to coach offense. Vince Carter on his team and he couldn't score. Like, it was uh, very, very weird. Uh, but yeah, I mean, O'Neal breaking the lamp. It's so funny because, like, coach was smashing a lamp in a hotel room. Unless he, like, ripped it apart with his bare hands or, like, hit his assistant with it or something, that's not that big of a deal to me. Yeah. But the fact that other people on the team were, like, gloriously leaking it out, being like, look how crazy this guy is. He broke <laughs> a lamp. Please get him away from us. And it was just mentioned over and over. Like, I found this Wicked Globe and Mail article from 04 where they talk about, says, has O'Neill's alleged behavior come to the board level? The answer is yes. <laughs> Something happened before the end of the year. Maybe. There are very serious concerns about O'Neill's behavior. And they ask him about it, and he goes, I believe I've done as good a job as I can do, and don't regret one thing I've done in any way. It's like, okay, oh Kevin. God. Yeah. Um, Read the room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that coaching so, search, yeah, as you outlined. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I thought you were done. No, I'm done. Okay. So that coaching search, as you outlined, uh, involved uh, Kevin O'Neill, Dwayne Casey, Sam Mitchell, and uh, Mike Woodson, I believe, um, or Mike Brown, yeah. one of those two. Uh, of course, they went with Kevin O'Neill, which was the bad decision, as Glenn Gronwald acknowledged in the interview he did with me. He did. Also, he a little nugget in there, if people haven't heard this. I've told this on, this, on the podcast before, if you haven't heard this. Uh, Grunwald detailed to me that at the start of that season, about a month in, the NBA League office called him to ask why the team couldn't score any points. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. So, okay, I'm looking at the game log right now. Yeah. How many times do you think the Raptors scored more than 100 points in this season? Once. No, that's that's too low. <laughs> Never? No, no, no. They scored more than 100 oh, okay. points in this season 
13 times. 13 okay. times no, in an 82-game season, they scored over 100 points. They averaged 85.4 points per game, which yes. is insane. Uh, they only reached over 110 three times, one of which was an overtime game in which they scored 121. Um, they reached... Yeah, it was it was bad. Okay, let's go to the bottom end of this thing. How many times did the Raptors score less than 70 points? Oh, my God. Uh, five. Uh, no, eight. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, oh one, two, three, God. four, five. Yeah, eight times they scored less oh, than 70 oh. points. In one game against the Minnesota Timberwolves on November 1st, 2003, start of the year, they scored 56 points. Oh. They lost 73 56. <laughs> yeah, that's just rough. That is, uh, that's hard to do. They scored under 80 points about three times as many times as they scored 100 points. Yeah. Just, uh,. Yeah. A clusterfuck of a team. Like that's a team that, ha- yeah, it's a team too that had pl- good NBA players who could score points on the roster. Yeah, like, Vince Adder- had Vince Car- Vince averaged twenty two five and five had- that year. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just crazy. It was just I don't know, man. Like just such a train wreck. And like it was too. It was like again, it was kind of like what we were talking about before, like the post Bosch playoff years where yeah. there had been such excitement with Vince. You know, the second round shot that he missed and then they lost against the Pistons in the first round next year when uh, what's his name forgot the time Chris Childs forgot mm-hmm. the time on the clock and then it was just like okay this is kind of slipping away here and then they hired Kevin O'Neill and it's just like wow this really went from 0 to 60 like yeah very quickly it took, team used to be good it took them 10 games to score 100 points for the first time and that was a double O to overtime game in the 10th game of yeah. the year and then they didn't score again over 100 points until uh, the 18th game of the season. Just comically ridiculous offensive numbers that uh, just like they seem foreign. And like 56 points, the Raptors like may have like scored less than 56 points in like a quarter of their first half this season. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 73-56 yeah. yeah, is a score that I'm pretty sure the Raptors were up by at halftime against the Cavs at one point this year. Yeah. Like I remember O'Neal was like lauded as this like defensive specialist and so his whole thing was we're gonna play slow and yeah. use the whole shot clock and get good shine. Like so that sounds fine. And yeah. then you're watching it and you're like, This is so awful. This is college basketball. <laughs> he yeah. was a college it coach was. through was. and through. Yeah. 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 It was it was disgusting and it's very deserving to be the worst season on this list because it left as we mentioned before, it led to everything that happened in O four oh five. It's you know, it's totally set the table for the Vince trade. It's Rob Babcock getting his like dirty little fingers and everything, and yeah. just ruining. It's Grunwald getting five. fired and Jack McCloskey taking over. Yes. Yeah. Trivia. That's a good little piece of trivia. Yeah. Uh, just they, yeah, they finished top ten in defense though, so there's there's that. I bet he puts that on his resume. Oh my top god. Top ten defensive yeah. team in the NBA. Top ten defense uh, with. Who the I, I don't even where's the roster? I lost the page. I don't want to know who's on the team. It's bad. <laughs> they traded for Williams, who's a good defender. Yeah. They traded for Danielle in the middle of the season. Yeah, they traded for Danielle. Yeah. Um Jalen yeah. Rose. There are Vince, so many players on this roster. Yeah, it'd be an incredible amount. They oh they traded for did they get Lonnie Baxter in that trade too? Uh they did get Lonnie Baxter. Yeah, he's on this list. Twenty-three players were on the roster this year. Wow, Robert Archibald. 
Uh, yeah, Robert Archibald's there. Michael Bradley, Mungi Batir, uh, oh. Rick Brunson, Corey Blount, Jerome Moiso, Michael Curry, Gennaro Pargo, Chris <laughs> Jeffries, which I thought Pargo was only allowed to play for the Hornets, but I guess not. Uh, Gennaro Pargo, Chris Jeffries, Roger Mason, Lonnie Baxter, Milt Palacio, Dion Glover, Rod Strickland, Jerome Neon, Williams. Neon. <laughs> Neon Dion. Uh, Jerome Williams, Lamont Murray. Morris Peterson, Anthony Davis, Antonio Davis, sorry, Alvin Williams, Chris Bosh, Daniel Marshall, Jalen Rose, Vince Carter. Um, only okay. Guess how many players on this team played more than fifty games? Hmm. Let me think. Vince was hurt that year, so I don't think he did. So I would say four. Uh, five is the correct answer. Vince did play. Oh. Vince led the team in games played that season with seventy-three. Oh. Yeah. Maybe the year before was the one. Yeah, the year before was the one where they made the run. Um, yeah, yeah, without him. Yeah. yeah. Like oh, no, they were game. shitty the year before. It was the year before that. Okay, yeah. well, there you go. Because oh, they drafted Bosch because they were awful the year before. Yeah, so, yeah. so it was uh, Carter, right. Marshall, Bosch, uh, Alvin, and Jalen Rose that all played 50 games. The next highest games played total on the team after Jalen's 50 was Morris Peterson. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm looking at the game started. Never mind, I'm an idiot. <laughs> it was eight players who played more than 50. I was looking oh. at starts. Um, disregard that entire. Uh, you can edit that out. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Um, this season inspires hyperbole because it sucked ass. Uh, this podcast did not suck ass. I think we have extensively covered why it's very okay for the Raptors to be where they are right now. <laughs> if anything, sure. I hope this yeah. eases people's minds going into the off season. You could be this team. You could have Gennaro Pargo and Monkey Batir and Robert Archibald. Uh, and Mil Palacio starting 13 games for you. They do not have that. They're very good. They are exciting. They are disappointing in the playoffs, maybe. But hey, maybe LeBron goes west and things are different next season. Who knows? Um, maybe the Celtics trade for Kawhi and Kawhi sits out the whole season because he didn't want to go to Boston. Who knows? Things can happen. Either way, the Raptors are in a good spot. They were not in a good spot during many of these seasons. Dan, you were in a good spot because you were on this podcast for over an hour, almost an hour, <laughs> wherever we're at. Yeah. Uh, anything you would like to plug right now? No, you know, I'll probably be doing some stuff for Raptors HQ, and uh, that's pretty much it. You know, busy summer, having a kid, we bought a house. Yep. So, uh, it's a busy time. Last day of school was yesterday, so I'm feeling pretty good. Yep. But, uh, uh, no, uh, nothing, nothing coming down the pipe for me right now. Good stuff. Uh, I'll probably have a podcast on su- Sunday during free agency stuff, if anything's breaking, uh, with Vivek Jacob. Um, also, I'm going on vacation next week, next week so Vivek that's... is going to take over midweek. Uh, for a couple of weeks, uh, hosting the podcast in my stead, it'll be much better. Uh, so look forward to that. And uh, oh, oh, I am looking forward to my semi matchup in the trivia tournament. Whenever that comes up, yeah, I gotta figure out when to do the other matchups. People are on vacation <laughs> and stuff. It might wait till mid July, but hey, uh, okay. I would expect nothing less from this tournament at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Including uh, in twenty twenty. Yeah, um, it won't be that long. Maybe twenty nineteen. We'll see. But okay. de- definitely before the end of the summer, I'll say that. We don't know, the, right. the World Cup's going on. There's only so many biggest tournament in the world people can deal with. So maybe we'll wait to 
steal the World Cup's thunder. We'll let the World Cup have World Cup have its moment, and then we'll come back in and sort of be the reason that you're not missing the World Cup because you had the trivia tournament to deal with. I guess I, I don't know. Fair. <laughs> um, that was good. Yeah, good. Good talking myself in circles. Uh, that's gonna do it. <laughs> Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. It's very helpful. Thank you very much. Um, I know people. There might have been some questions about the podcast because of the fan rag news this week. We're all good. The site's going to continue on. LockdownRaptors.com is my site, and I have the rights to that shit, so uh, nothing to be worried about there. The podcast is still going on as planned, as always. And uh, so, yeah, stay tuned for more interesting stuff from the network in the future. Um, And also, be good to each other. There's lots of shitty things going on in the world right now. Be good to each other. Don't be an asshole. Try to be compassionate and empathetic to people. And uh, that's all I have to say. We'll be back again uh, on Sunday with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.